Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Relentless Goal Achievers podcast. This one is uh, very timely, and uh, I'm just going to jump into it and introduce my guest. His name is Tomer Israeli. With everything that's going on right now in Israel and Palestine, I reached out to my friend and said, hey, you got to come on a show. And here's why I wanted Tomer to come on a show. He's a former special agent and chief security officer at the Israeli Secret Services. That organization is called Shin Bet. Uh, today, Tomer leads Israeli Tactical School, where he teaches executive protection services, SWAT operations, and air marshal courses. Um, and they do all of this with live fire, which is unheard of <laughs> in the training in the training sector. I had a chance to meet Tomer when I, Tomer, when I took uh, the executive protection course last year, maybe a year and a half ago, and it was insane. We learned some Krav Maga skills how to clear a room, how to handle terrorists and hostage situations. It was awesome. So with us, we got an expert. Tomer, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. How are you? How is your day? Oh, man, my day is going good. Way better than, you know, most others um, around the world right now. But Tomer, let me, just to get an understanding, Shin Bet, what's the, what is the core function of Shin Bet? So Shin Bet is basically the FBI and the U.S. Secret Service in one agency. So the focus of the Shin Bet is counter-terror. This is the most, uh, the, the, the main job of the agency, if you want. And besides counter-terror, that is uh, more like counter-terror in relation to what the FBI does, meaning domestic counter-terror, mm-hmm. not outside of the border of Israel, uh, there are some circumstances, but the, the majority is uh, inside domestic. Uh, we also provide security, uh, security protection for diplomatic missions around the world, and uh, also protecting the main symbols of Israel, uh, like the Prime Minister, President, Supreme Court, and others. Just to keep it very brief, and that uh, you know. Got it. Now, um, overwhelm you with information. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. In Israel, um, every 18 year old, with minor exceptions, is, is called to serve in the military. So, was, is Shimbet a part of the service or is that something you did after the military? So, every, every uh, teenager graduate from high school that fit to be in the army is required to, to serve. It's not, uh, it's mandatory, but it's only mandatory for the people that the army wants. Got it. uh, Not across the board. Uh, Basically, in the end of the day, it's uh, uh, 10% serves in combat combat service. Uh, The rest is uh, more like behind the desk or helping, supporting the, the, the forces. Uh, after three years of uh, mandatory service for boys, girls does uh, usually a different kind of service, a bit shorter. Uh, you, so you have the chance. Uh, some people want to go beyond the, the regular service and go to the what we call the Shilbet or uh, Mossad or other agencies that uh, are service after the, the army service. So, But you need to remember that... Uh, even if you don't serve the mandatory service uh, and you are in combat role, you need to serve as a reserve. 
So anyway, you're going to meet the army a month, a year at least. And if you officer a bit more, uh, so army is never really something that you stop doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until of about my age, age of 45, 50, the army doesn't need you anymore. So, uh, Got so this, it. Is, this is the, at least what uh, most people do. And I did it, uh, I did mandatory service as a soldier and also officer. So I did four years and reserve 15 years. So this is the, and then I joined the secret service. So, or the Shin Bet. So basically Shin Bet for, for me was a, a career choice after uh, trying my, uh, my luck in the civilian market. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a, a later episode, not automatically after the service. Yeah. I got you. What did you do in the, in the service? Did you see any combat in the service? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, first of all, uh, you know, uh, Israel is relatively a peaceful place. I know now it's not easy to say that, but uh, uh, to see combat, uh, it's not easy to, during the, the regular times. I was lucky or not lucky to be involved with the, a service that involved also combat. In Lebanon in 2006, especially, it was like a, a war with Lebanon, the second war with Lebanon, actually. So... And uh, I was the team leader for recon, uh, recon team in that war, and the focus was on South Lebanon. This is uh, this it. is the t- territory of uh, that we fought. Yeah, Tomer, let me ask you, man. So FBI, right? Like Shin Bet is equivalent to FBI. You're you're here in the states now. How how was it possible that that attack happened on October 7th. Like guys in, you know, lawnmower yeah. chairs flew over and broke through the wall. And like, wh- what happened in your opinion? So, so first of all, nobody really knows what happened. Uh, the, the the brief of events like that will take time in order to do it in an organized way. And definitely my abilities to debrief the situation is limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I was in Israel, it's not uh, something that uh, easy to uh, to get access to all the data. But since I'm, uh, you know, I live with my people and uh, people talk and uh, I have colleagues and uh, and I'm, I'm relatively close to the circles that uh, they take uh, that uh, participate in the combat, even in the early hours. Uh, I have a broad picture of what happened. And first of all, uh, let's put it in a very clear way. We were surprised. Meaning, and you've been in my courses and you understand the firsthand. If you have the element of surprise in combat, you don't have to be so talented later to, to, to win. So, so initially, and I'm using that, uh, this explanation and this example in the training, you can also surprise Mike Tyson with the knockout. If That's he's not true. expecting it. So if he lets you get closer and get you to get used to him, coming closer to you day in, day out, eventually when you strike him and you hit the chin, he's going to fall. He's going to get a knockout. So basically, this is what Hamas did to us. They, for a year, prepared for the attack. So it's not something that happened spontaneously or 
for a year, the train close to the border, therefore we saw the, them training, but they, and they tested the devices, for example, for example, the explosive devices that help them breach the fence were tested on the actual fence <laughs> a week before the attack. So uh, the signs were there, but you know, in order to, and also something that we do in the training, if you are complacent and you don't see the signs and you don't give attention to take it seriously, it's going to happen to you. So this is in many ways what happened over there. Now, the rest is history. You know, the moment you let 1,500 ISIS, <laughs> ISIS people coming into your civilian villages not protected, because they overwhelmed the army, right? The army need to protect the civilians. And the army was overwhelmed, so nobody protected the civilians. What happened is the, the Sikha massacre. And in the most brutal way, and, uh, you know, decapitating uh, heads of kids, raping women, uh, elderly, meaning it's not sightseeing that you usually see in war, because, you know, there are, even in war, there are rules. You know, there's stuff that you don't do. Uh, and they, they are brutal, and they are brutal because uh, I don't want to, to sound racist. They are simply brainwashed to, to the way of ISIS, and these people uh, over there simply don't know better, unfortunately. Okay, so uh, so this is, this is what happened in, really in, in brief way. Okay, in a brief way, we were surprised and, and because we were complacent. And... Uh, I'll give an example, something that it's very, you know, it's my DNA to be a soldier. So this is what I do. Uh, a soldier in the Israeli army or any army is trained to wait for the enemy uh, ready. Makes sense. So one of the things that the most basic that soldiers do, that, for example, like uh, me and you uh, brush our teeth in the morning and tie our shoes before we go to work, Right. I yeah. know, I see you have, you have more hair than me, so you put your gel or you prepare for the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the most basic thing for a soldier to do is to be prepared at dawn. At dawn. This is uh, known that uh, it's uh, the time for attack because uh, physically, the human body is the most uh, vulnerable on the... On the in the end of the night. In the end of the night, it's uh, where we are the most complacent, if you want. And also, if you attack at dawn, or a bit earlier than dawn, you can also use the end of surprise of the complete darkness that's still, still there. And when you attack, now, if you have a success, you can overrun also, meaning you are getting into the day from the night. So the night is the end of surprise, and then... Use that to surprise. And after that, it's become daytime. You can actually see what you're doing. You don't need the end to surprise anymore. And it can overrun. You can actually clearly see the results and be able to maneuver better. So basically, it's very important to attack at dawn. It's very well-known phenomenon. You know, if you were a soldier, uh, it would not be an uh, interesting uh, topic to discuss with you. You will uh, understand the logic. So imagine that uh, the forces over there the majority of them did not even woke up at dawn. So you have uh, Hamastan, basically ISIS, a country on your border, uh, 
one, 500 meters, very close, right? 500 meters away from the fence is the villages of the civilians, the farm villages that they massacre the women, children, whatever. And the army people did not even woke up for dawn. The, meaning did not do the basics, mm-hmm. you know? The basic, the very basic. I'm not talking about uh, the other stuff, okay, that uh, the Hamas did well. So uh, from a military perspective, uh, all, the, all the odds, all the, the, they set up the surprise element in a very impressive way. Meaning from trying to analyze it, not from the side of the victim and never understand the enemy point of view. This is big. This is big. So from here, it's not, it's not so easy. From here, you need to retrieve it back uh, while they're holding hostages. And they're already in the farm villages. And they're already in big number. And they are feeling, and they're setting themselves up, meaning in ambush structure. And they're waiting for reinforcement to arrive. Meaning it's to, to, to get it back, to, to gain the advantage back, it's, a, it's complicated. And requires sure. a lot of casualties on our side. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Well, here's yeah. here's the question though. I mean, they were at it for, you know, from 6 30 till 10 something, 11 a.m., going through villages, through that concert was happening. Why not? You know, I'm sure people called the police, not just military. Why did it why did it go on for so long? So initially, uh they basically, first of all, overrun the army on the border. Okay, so this is what happened there. The army, the forces that need to give immediate response to the villages were overrun. Some of them, because they did not wake up in dawn, some of them slaughtered, slaughtered. They are, they are army people, so I don't want to, to, to use maybe terms that belong to maybe it's massacre of civilians, but Basically, they were uh, attacked in their beds. Some of them are not ready even. We spoke of waking up at dawn. It's, it's important to get everything ready. Uh, so when you overrun uh, these people, basically now they're in the villages. So this is number one. Number two, other forces that are relatively in the area are really in a small quantity, meaning, and by the way, these are the elites, meaning uh, units like Matkal, the one I was serving in the beginning of my service, uh, in other units like like Seret Matkal, uh, say that still it's Seret Matkal. Yeah, Seret Matkal is the a unit. That's that's the one that Bibi Netanyahu's brother, right, an officer exactly. and indicted, yeah. right. I'm reading his book now. That oh my gosh, yeah. what a great book. Okay, sorry, yeah, so, I interrupted. Yeah, no, no, you're not not at all. It's a it's a dialogue, no? Right, this yeah, what they, yeah. it's not a monologue, right? Ask whatever you want. So basically. Unit like Seret Matkal, Yamam, and others, Shaldag, Shetesh Losre. Meaning, I just throw it to you names in Hebrew, that meaning Navy SEALs, Delta Force, Delta Force of the Air Force, Shaldag, and Yamam is the Israeli National Sword. These units have, uh, and it's not a secret, they have uh, uh, ready teams, team in readiness mode, that they can deploy anywhere in Israel in relatively short period of time. And they are need to come to the scene usually after the local force is already take over the situation and maybe freeze it to a certain point. 
meaning this unit are not really designed to come to a, to a combat zone and deploy combat zones, more like coming, uh, like, uh, like we discussed in the course, the active shooter. If the active shooter finish everybody and, and take hostages, this is when the units usually are relevant, these units, uh, after the fact, okay? Uh, but because nobody stopped them, it was not isolated. They came with uh, thousands of people, right? Uh, in tremendous mm-hmm. number. Uh, these small teams, and I'm talking about 20 people, 50 people, okay? I'm not talking about hundreds of, of people, so they were uh, outnumbered in a big way. Even they are special forces, very capable units, uh, tremendous training, okay? Like very similar to what we provide in our courses, right? So uh, capable people, you know, it's still not enough in a sea of, uh, you know, if, if five people, 20 people, 50 people fighting 300, uh, and the 300 are well, uh, well uh, organized and in tactical position, uh, it's not easy to to get them back. Not easy to to win, and uh, we had very very big casualties from the these brave. I call them heroes, right? Our heroes, the Israeli heroes that came, although they outnumbered, they came to to save lives and uh, fight. And did not, uh, you know, they don't take. Uh, you know, the mentality of let's go, like in football, you know, mm-hmm. something that uh, uh, they simply went for, for the idea. And uh, so, unfortunately, unfortunately, it took hours because uh, to fight back takes the time it takes. It took uh, 12 hours, 14 hours to get to some of the places. And they're holding hostages and and massacring thousands of people. And, you know, it's not uh, kidnapping people meanwhile. Uh, so this unit, this unit is one of the forces that were involved. And, and by the way, in an organized way, relatively, right? A unit is coming. Most of the people responded to these uh, events were actually individuals. Could be people with guns at home that came from the army for vacation, running to the streets and of course law enforcement that were there that were trying to fight the sea of uh, Hamas assets that simply entered every, from everywhere okay so we we had uh, about 350 people out of 1500 uh, that were uh, first responders that were uh, killed in this uh, event so I didn't know that yeah uh, switching gears a little bit Tomer w- what um what constitutes Palestine? Uh, please define. <laughs> define it better yeah, like for what, me. Where is yeah. Palestine? If I look on a map, I don't see Palestine, right? So the way I see it, Palestine is what? The Gaza Strip and the West Bank? Or what? how would you define the, lo- the geographical location of Palestine? So Palestine traditionally... Uh, in the modern times, okay, I'm not talking about the biblical times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Palestine is basically the border of Israel, the way Israel is now, together with the West Bank and Gaza. And what happened is that in '48 we had independence war. The Palestinians, meaning the people that were in Israel at the time, fought with the Jewish uh, settlements that were also basically moved from 
Europe due to the Holocaust uh, to establish Israel, meaning the independence war was between Israel, the Palestinians in Israel, and the rest of the Arabic world from both sides, basically all of these, the following countries, Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, Jordan, even from Iraq, Egypt, of course. So uh, in that independence war, we'll be able to capture most of Israel as known today, okay, minus the West Bank and Gaza. But okay. before 48, was that area called Palestine? Yeah. Okay. Palestine and and the Palestine and the people in Palestine, <clears throat> it's what's considered to, uh, to be today the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Israelis, before Israel was established, also Israelis were a carrier passport from Palestine. So they were also considered Palestinians, and all of that happened where the British were uh, colonized Palestine. So Brit- Britain, Great Britain was... Uh, the superpower at the time. And in 47, they got, they basically lost the mandate to hold the Palestine as the, the, as the colonia, uh, as a colony, and Israel uh, declared independence. And this is when the independence war happened. So this is Palestine. Palestine is basically Israel. Uh, now, you know, uh, I don't want to, I'm biased, I'm Israeli, okay? But basically the Palestinians that were there before either uh, flew, uh, flew meaning uh, become refugees in Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, and, and Gaza, meaning the people that, let's say, were living in Tel Aviv, okay, and other, other cities uh, simply become refugees because they, they left either by their own initiative and in some places, we also help them, meaning uh, put uh, literally put them on trucks and then move them away. So the, the refugees that you see in these countries that I just mentioned before, these refugees used to be in Palestine back in the day, and they are uh, still, uh, in many ways, feels about Palestine as their homeland. Got it. And so when you, and, hear, yeah. when you hear people screaming, uh, free Palestine, what does that mean? It's means that they want to go back to where they were back in 48. So 48 is that independence war. Uh, I don't want to confuse the audience too much, but there was another war uh, named the Six Day War that we, we were capturing also the West Bank and the Gaza Strip uh, and Golan Heights. But uh, for, the Palestinians, uh, for the Palestinian conflict, it's all, only these uh, regions were captured back then including Jerusalem. And, and basically, so there is another war or another conflict that they see, see themselves uh, uh. I think I lost Tomer. I'm going to pause and be back as soon as he rejoins recording. All right. Yeah. We're back with Tomer. Yeah. So the Palestinians... Uh, yeah, they have the right, the way they see it, to go back to where they belong. It's very much any crisis in the world that you see two, two nations want to compete over one piece of land. In America, it was uh, the, the 
the Americans, uh, 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 Indians, right? How you call them? The Native Americans. Native Americans, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and the rest, uh, the people that uh, colonized America at the time, you can see that the Aborigines in the in Australia, everywhere, and is the uh, problems of colonialism over overtaking uh, or taking out uh, other people land, okay? And uh, and conquer it, basically, establish their own civilization. Uh, so Israel is only one region uh, that it happened, but uh, Israel is uh, sensitive because in Israel, all the religious, all the religions are... Uh, sensitive about Jerusalem and history for especially for Muslim and Christians for Judaism so Israel always was a, a sensitive place in modern times you know nothing to do with anything for yeah. sure for sure so okay got it um so free Palestine really means get rid of Israel now as an Israeli what what do most Israelis want? for that region? So, first of all, we need to understand that no matter what is my uh, political beliefs, okay, and opinions, there is a very important historical fact that uh, in World War II, uh, the Jewish people, just because they are Jewish, they were... uh, block the caller because it's spam you now that's it all right uh, so uh, we were with the israelis why israelis want uh, to be in palestine or in israel so basically after the holocaust uh, the jewish people uh, no matter what their bias was needed a place to be needed a place to be uh, Basically, Israel is a, the insurance policy of the Jewish people that uh, it would not be a, holo- a second Holocaust. Uh, history is full of uh, anti-Semitism against Jewish people for thousands of years. It's not uh, something new, but the Holocaust was a, a phenomenon that even the most uh, cynical people about the Jews uh, felt the need to give them a state. So basically, the United Nations uh, approved the state of Israel, according to, uh, without going to too much details, uh, gave the Israeli state uh, in '47 the approval to to establish a country, a state of the Jew. And now from here, uh, the borders of Israel were uh, basically uh, were were uh, the, the the very existence of that small uh, young country was. Uh, uh, maybe approved by the United Nations, but uh, the Arabic people fought us to exterminate uh, that small state. So we had to go to war, and we and the border were initially uh, where they are today. After two wars, basically after '48, after '67, two wars, we'd be able to establish the border of Israel as you would know it today, more or less. Okay, without uh, overwhelm the, the audience. Okay, with the information about history, but. Uh, so Israel have no other choice. There is, it's a self, it's a self, uh, self uh, defense if you want. Uh, it's a, it's a avoid extinction. Meaning we are, we don't have choice. We have to have the state of Israel. Uh, 
So now, uh, let's say there are two nations, both of them have the reason to be in Israel, but it's only one piece of land, and this is the conflict. This is why uh, it's not going to be over, ever. It's going to be always a problem. Uh, the ability to live together side by side is very, very questioned. Uh, not because uh, uh, either of the sides want to necessarily exterminate each other, but there are so many... Uh, the conflict with Palestinian Israelis is so deep and, uh, compl- and complex that we need probably another... We need 10 episodes like that to just to, to drill down to the why and who and uh, when and to find and uh, try to reason the idea. Okay, try to put it in a in a solution, uh, uh, no, to 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 lean towards the solution. Yeah, I get it. So um, I'm listening to Netanyahu's book, and he talks about his father, like when his father, you know, in, in the '40s before the state of Israel was established, he was trying to figure out how do you petition the U.S. government and the president to be for that two-state solution or to create a Jewish state. And one of the things that they said was interesting is they found out that anytime you petition any democratic country, um, you have to do it through, I'm trying to remember how you said it. So when you're petitioning any democratic country to do what it is that you want them to do, you got to do it through showing justice or injustice. And I'm looking at what's happening now. And if we're following that model, Hamas and, you know, the rest of the Arab world is kind of winning that battle. I feel like the world has a very short memory. They tend to, they kind of forgot what happened on October 7th, or maybe they didn't forget. But anytime you turn on the news, they're showing the Gaza Strip and they're showing Palestinians hurt and, you know, dead and crying. And like this, that's the only thing the news is focusing on. And so now that's causing the rest of the world an uproar and to go against Israel. And we see that with protests all over Europe, even in the States. It's it's crazy to see from your standpoint, like what do you wish Israel would do differently? So the the war the war on public opinion is the the main battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Israel uh, doing very little relatively to fight that battle. Why? It's an inevitable question that is uh, belong to the history, meaning <laughs> from the uh, from the moment I know myself as uh, you know interested in the global uh, stage and uh, what is Israeli image in the global uh, world when it's relate to anything. Also, also the Palestinian conflict. Okay, we're doing a very bad job. Uh, representing the ourselves, uh, yet, yet the the modern world, the Western world, the democratic world, okay, uh, show empathy to Israel at this point of time. It's maybe shorter. Maybe it's not going to stay with us this support uh, for the long term. But currently, we have the support and especially the support of the United States. Uh, critical for us in order to get to some sort of uh, 
no, no uh, war uh, status, okay? Uh, uh, in order to reach to that goal, we need to fight, unfortunately. So basically, uh, this is what Israel can do better. Uh, people like me, like you, like uh, the rest of the people that understand the situation, need to keep it simple and simply explain. Uh, I think the most important uh, mistake that Hamas did, Hamas ISIS did, in the last conflict that is basically become ISIS uh, and basically did a big mistake, decapitating uh, kids' heads and all what they do to civilians. This is massacre. Is not, people are not a stranger to pure evil when they see one. And I'm not just talking public opinion, I'm talking also the Arabic themselves, I mean, the Muslim Arabic. Uh, I don't think that most Muslims want to kill uh, kids and decapitate their heads. Maybe they don't like Israel, maybe they are uh, supporting Palestine, uh, Palestinians' uh, uh, freedom, whatever, but uh, uh, normal people know better, okay? So, But even so now, is- even now you get people that are coming out and saying that didn't happen. You know, Hamas leadership came out and said, well, that's Israel saying that, that's their propaganda, we did not do that. Even though there's pictures, you know, then, well, that's AI-generated. <laughs> You know, there's plenty of proof oh. that shows that their jihadist rocket misfired landing in the landing in the hospital. People are still saying, yeah. well, we don't know if that's true. Right. It's almost as if it's it feels like there's this energy of not wanting to believe Israel. Look, first of all, uh, you, we cannot do anything against stupidity. <laughs> no, this is something that, you know, oh. it's it's there all the way. Uh, uh, if you have a serious statement and if you're exploring information in a, in a normal way, and let's say you are not uh, biased yet, okay? You are on the fence, you're neutral about it. Most people are, I'm sure. Uh, you do your due diligence. You go and check uh, resources. Uh, although the fake news atmosphere, there are still some source of, a, uh, of a sources that you can actually go and get the picture. Uh, and get, get uh, you know, with common sense and, and perspective of uh, adults. Uh, but, you know, it's required also the the time. It's required time. It's required, it's required to make the time to do these investigations. You know, we have uh, one of our, the contractors that works for me in the projects. I don't want to mention the name. Uh, he, he came to me and asked me, so what, what's going on now with the Israel and the Pakistanians, the Pakistan people? <laughs> Meaning, and he's, you know, worked for each other with several years, but, you know, he's, the, he's, the, he's doing something, he has a small business. He uh, lives his life, and, he, you know, because of he felt empathy about me, let's say, he was interested to know a bit more. And he brought, you know, I, of course, I did not re-educate him and I did not open a, <laughs> a deep discussion about the history. But uh, people don't have, uh, they see, what they see is the image on the TV, maybe. Maybe they uh, watch Fox News or CNN, it doesn't matter. They see something happening again in Israel. Ah, they're fighting again. Why it's not stopping? Why they all the time try to kill each other? Uh, and as a neutral person, you're probably going to say, let it just stop. How many people died already? 5,000? Let's stop in 5,000. 
let's not move to 10,000. And they don't really care if it's Jewish people or not, or uh, Palestinian or not. They, they start, simply wanted to stop, okay? And this is most of the world. Uh, nobody wants to see kids dying on both sides, okay? So this is most of the world. Now, if you are biased also to one side, you may be also brainwashed and biased. So you don't want to believe the other side have some sort of uh, reason to what he does or, or the history or whatever. So look, but when you are biased, you take responsibility also. You know, if you are against something, at least know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, is so, it true? Look, so before yeah. 2006, I think 2006 is when Israel gave back the Gaza Strip to Palestinians, correct? Right around that time? Uh, yes, around that time, yeah. And what was what was it like there before that time? Was it mainly Palestinians living there and Israelis living together? Who, who could, was that under Israel control? So basically, it was under Israel control with the uh, Palestinian autonomy due to the Oslo agreements that they basically manage their own civil life by themselves. Mm-hmm. And Israel is uh, have the right to be there also in a certain capacity to protect the Jewish people that were also in the Gaza Strip at the time. So the Gaza Strip had two nations. Back then, Palestinian and Israelis inside. What Ariel Sharon, the prime minister at the time, did, he took the Israelis out and left the Palestinians to be in Gaza Strip in a, basically a situation like a state, meaning they've been able to control the life all the way. And this, uh, this withdrawal from Gaza uh, consider a big win to Hamas because they've been able to kick out the Israelis from Gaza. But Hamas was not in charge at that time, right? There was no, no. government for Gaza. And that's what was elected. No, there, yeah, there was a government. The government was PLO. PLO is the Palestinian Authority. Yep. And they and they lost the election to Hamas after Israeli withdrawal uh, because Hamas was uh, basically considered by the Palestinians in Gaza as uh, successful compared to the PLO, and uh, and they elected Hamas. Now, when Hamas was uh, elected. They took over uh, uh, the country of uh, Gaza and make it Hamastan. What, I, what do I mean? Basically, they killed the PLO that were there before. It was not democracy transition of power. <laughs> you know, when yeah. uh, uh, not, I don't want to, to go to American politics, but the transition of power, it's a, it's a very important uh, uh, democratic uh, uh, stage. It's like an important stage that you, okay, I lost in the election. I'll give you the power, and now I'm saluting you. You are the commander-in-chief from now on, right? I'm become, a, I'm American, so you're the new president of the United States. Even if I did not elect you, I, I respect the voters' uh, decision. Chabasad did not respect anything. They simply, they, they literally killed the, the PLO or the Palestinian Authority uh, that were there before, because the same basically become a, a oligarchy or a, basically a, a form of government that doesn't respect democracy. Uh, 
and until today. Now from here, it's a, it's a long story, become Hamastani in a meaningful, in a meaningful way, basically to the, uh, the ability to gain so much forces and abilities to, uh, to gain so much military power that you see what happened in the last few uh, days. Uh, this is the results of that mistake of giving back and withdrawal from Gaza. Meaning if Israel well, is not there, we, we cannot control Gaza. We have to be there. Was there a blockade uh, on the Gaza-Israeli border the second Israel pulled out or after Hamas was elected? So we were until nowadays supplied all the electricity and the water and other, uh, other stuff to, to Gaza for, for decades. Yeah. So it was always a, depend, a great dependency of the Gaza way of life livelihood, uh, you can argue, not good, good, not good enough, and whatever, but the most basic stuff were, uh, were there due to the Israel, uh, Israel uh, uh, life supporting system, okay? Basically all the, yeah. all the, yeah. So, uh, we did not close any, even if the most uh, har- harsh conflicts, we did not close the lights and the supply water and it was never the case, okay? And now it's totally changed. Now for the first time, we, we now no longer, we don't, if so, we don't provide them water and, and electricity uh, through our border. Everything is going through the Egypt border for the first time. Meaning uh, for the first time, Egypt is actually care about doing something for Gaza people. And the United Nations is the, the sponsor, if you want, of the of the humanitarian aid. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's yeah, for think the first time. Yeah. But for what... The first time, yeah. yeah. But help me understand, like, physically. Right now, there's that big wall that Hamas had to blow through to get into the Israeli side. When was that created? And was there always, like, a blockade? When did they... So the Gaza Strip is a part of Israel. Right. It borders, you know, it's southern Israel border on the other side is Egypt. Um, But where was the when was the border created between the Gaza Strip and Israel? So it was there. Uh, it was there from the time we withdrawn. Uh, from 2006. Yeah. Before and it was also a fence. But as we call in the army, a stupid fence, meaning not electronic or not uh, something that you cannot, uh, you can bypass the civil by cutting it, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the last uh, fence that was there, the last wall, it's a, it's a strong, it's a big project that we conducted for, that cost Israel something like $4 billion, if I recall. Um, so that small region, it's, it's relatively a lot of money. Uh, you know, uh, Gaza Strip, it's only 20 kilometers over five. Yeah. Relatively small, okay? So, um, so that that wall was uh, between us and them now, and uh, they got through it. Uh, they did not work up a dawn. So, you know, any obstacle can be overcome if nobody... An obstacle is only make everything temporary, you know, it can delay you, cannot solve the problem. Yeah. Why did they put the wall up? Like, why did they need that wall there? 
because uh, in several conflicts, Gaza people either went in tunnels under the fence, like you do in Mexico, and entered the villages and attacked and kidnapped, uh, tried to kidnap uh, soldiers and civilians in the past. So the fence is also dug into the ground deep with sensors also. So we can block uh, future tunnels from entering the border. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this defense is not just up up on the ground it's also underneath now on top of the ground for some reason because we thought we can be able to wake up at dawn and do our job as a, the basic infantry stuff for, uh, to stop them on the fence so it was not really created like a wall that you how to penetrate so they relatively simple to get over the fence although it's electronic and everything but if you if you overwhelm the technology and the cameras and the people don't get up in the morning, you break the fence in several places and overwhelm the army like they did. So, yeah, yeah. got it. No, I was just wondering what, what was happening that caused to put the fence up. I remember there were a few um, suicide bombing situations and I figured Israel had to put up a border at that point. Um, when you were with Shembet, what were some of the kind of, terrorist type of acts that you saw happen? So nothing to do with my service in Shin Bet because I was uh, serving here in Washington, D.C., in America. Oh, you were so in my America? Service, yeah. So my service in the Shin Bet was a security detail uh, officer, whatever, in the in the embassy. Mm-hmm. So I was not serving domestic as counter-terror uh, agent. Uh, I did not serve in the agency on the intelligence and counter-terror side domestically, okay? So my experience is very, very, basically is, is the conflict of uh, a civilian or in the army is a reservist uh, officer. Yeah, look, Palestinians and us are fighting uh, for decades, suicide bombers uh, in malls, uh, blowing up buses. Uh, in clubs, in hotels, uh, it's very messy. Okay, it's uh, basically uh, Aza is like a small Afghanistan, if you want, uh, in our border, you know, the south. We have uh, another Afghanistan uh, in our border on the north with Lebanon. Uh, Iranian are involved uh, to to make all of that happen. So it everything is orchestrated from Iran that uh, wants to become nuclear. So, so basically, it's beyond just the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. There is a regional conflict and even a conflict that may lead to World War III. So it's not just, uh, you know, when people say, hey, I don't support Israel, da di da da it's far away from me, guys. If there is going to be, a, if, if the Israeli-Palestinian conflict would not go uh, as it used to be in the past and, and be, uh, stay small, uh, every person that goes to fuel this car will uh, see uh, prices increases to some some experts say not me to to a target number of one fifty dollars a a barrel now uh, compared to uh, close to hundred dollars today. So, which is still high. It's very high compared to what it used to be. Right, four four dollars a gallon at least. <laughs> I'm not talking about California, just normal places. Yeah. So, so this is this is uh, three three to four. four. Um, so the effect on the fuel prices is one, but of course, uh, if China would be involved, 
a super power against America, because America, I don't know if you know, but they, they are progressed to aircraft carrier forces. Eisenhower and General Ford, two, two different carriers, are mm-hmm. now in the Israeli area. There are reports and, the Chinese are too. Yeah, and the Chinese also. So basically, it's, it's a, we start to smell World War III here. Of course, I don't think it's going to happen. I think everybody will get their senses back. And understand that Israel is actually uh, need to be successful here against the Hamas. Otherwise, this small region, 20 kilometers over five, will influence the, the rest of the world. Uh, so it will be you, other people's problem. Yeah. So yeah. how do you feel about all these Palestinian civilians that are getting their homes destroyed, that's, um, that are being forced to head south, and the images that you see? What, what goes on through your mind as an Israeli? Look, first of all, I'm, a, I'm 49 years old. I have kids, family. I understand what is to be a parent. And, and uh, I, feel, I feel for them as human beings. Uh, this is where I see it. But they need to remember uh, one small thing. Uh, first of all, uh, they started it now. We did not do that for, to them. They did it to themselves. Uh, they cut the fence. They got inside. They slaughtered our families. Kids. Well, we're talking... So do you separate Hamas from Palestinian people or are they all one and the same to you? I'm, I'm a, more than... A, I'm more than feel for the non-combatives over there as separated from Hamas. I feel that the Hamas is a, a regime that took hostage his own people. One... Uh, by the way, even if they hate me, even if they think that I'm wrong, okay? Yeah. Uh, but they are also not showed Hamas uh, that they are un- unhappy, meaning the the climax, uh, the climate, the public opinion in the Gaza Strip gave Hamas the 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 green light to to do uh, this conflict and other conflicts in the past. So basically, you know, uh, they they should pressure Hamas not to have them, to use them as a human shield, you know? How can uh, they do that, though? Tomer, think about it. Like, this is these are the people that killed their, you know, the old leadership, right? Instead of having a peaceful, like, people are afraid. How, how can they possibly pressure Hamas? Okay, so first of all, there are 2.3 million. Palestinian in the Gaza Strip, this is one. So they have a, it's a big population, okay? If people simply start to go south to the border with Egypt, they can cross the border. They can cross the border to Egypt and and uh, force Egypt to accept them, even temporarily, in a refugee camp that, to avoid any further casualties to, uh, to non-combatives. Okay, this is very important to do, and I recommend to Gaza people to do it as soon as possible. Go and stay away out of harm. It's very important. Now, if they don't do that, and they're staying over there where they are now, and we will go in eventually, they uh, it's not going to end well. So they should know better and go away. Now, Israel created an island inside Gaza that they consider to be like a safe safe haven. 
We're not going to bum you, you go there, and also we push all the humanitarian aid over there also. So if you're going to be there, you'll be like in a shelter. You'll be secure. Right now, if you're staying in the north of Gaza, don't be surprised you're going to get bombed by, by Israel. Israel gave the warnings. We do that in all the means, you know. We, we are dropping flyers of information. We're calling people. We broadcast on social media everywhere. They know. They know they need to move. Uh, if you're not moving, you are collaborating with Hamas. And then, uh, you know, what, what can we do, you know? Uh, it's either yeah. us or them. It's either out of them, unfortunately. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's ugly. So it's what ugly, happens, let's say Israel wipes out Hamas and they establish, you know, Israeli authority over the Gaza Strip. Do you take down... My personal feeling, maybe I'm just naive, right? Because I, I mean, I've seen the cartoons. They have this like Mickey Mouse looking bumblebee that talks about killing Jews. And they're showing this to three and four year olds. Those kids can't differentiate themselves. You know, they can't, they don't know what's right from wrong. Um, so since young age, they're being indoctrinated. And then here, here these kids are, you know, since 2006, if somebody was five years old when they were 2006, right now they're of combat male age right and this is what they've heard their whole life does i feel like what what would help people in gaza are opportunities for work opportunities to prosper opportunities for food and promotion and so like if israel took over and they took down the wall and integrated the people and made them as one because i know you know israel has a lot of arabs in the knesset israel has arabs living amongst israelis serving in the israel army um i've seen that i have family that lives in israel as jews not not arabs but um i feel like if they did that in a gaza strip after two generations or so people would be integrated i think am i being naive I don't think that you are naive. I think that you are a reasonable uh, person with reasonable solutions. But reason is not the only uh, parameter that is uh, here in this uh, game. Uh, you are right with all of your assumptions. I'm very far from offering a solution here. Uh, I don't know the solution. I know that they need to be there. Them, uh, They need to be there and we need to be here meaning it's have to be a separation between us, to integrate 2.3 million Palestinians just in Gaza into Israel as a state will uh, change the demography and uh, change the, the democracy. Uh, Israel will not become a, a, a majority That's anymore. True. So, so this is a, a, technical, a technical problem okay, that we cannot change. Now, to integrate them in a second, uh, as a second tier of uh, residents, it's also uh, apartheid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's created a situation that they are uh, second class, like a caste system, okay, like yeah. happening in other countries. And so it's not also democracy. Uh, and you mentioned also the, the, the problem that they feel about themselves as refugees that have the reason, have the, the right to go back to to establish themselves as they were before 48 in Israel therefore uh, kick us out 
So basically, you want to bring in someone that wants to kick you out. So it's, you don't just integrate peaceful people that wants to establish themselves in a better life. You put inside yourself something like uh, basically the enemy. That doesn't and want you me, alive. Uh, and this is, by the way, um, the Hamas, uh, the Hamas uh, objective, meaning if you... I want to keep it. I want to keep it simple, okay, and not avoid bias as much as I can. The Hamas purpose or reason to exist is to dis- de- destroy Israel. Uh, what well, is purpose? I mean, Yasser Arafat. That's what he wanted too, right? Same, but they are not. Uh, they did not uh, conduct the war crimes that ISIS, the Hamas, uh, just did, but their intentions are the same. So basically. I remember reading, I think there was a woman elected, one of the very first leaders of the PLO. And the reason she got elected was because she said something along the lines of, I already, I already send, if you like me, I've already sent three of my sons to die because they were suicide bombers. And I have seven more to send or something along those lines to kill Israelis. Yeah, but you know, I don't want that narrative to be the only one out there. There are also good Palestinians that doesn't want anything but decide to live their life peacefully. I think the 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 problem is that as a whole, currently Hamastan has only one objective, and this is the the current the current status. Uh, to be able to plan the day after. Okay, after we conquer, after we uh, kill the Hamas regime, and they're not longer capable of harming us. Okay, we need to establish a, a, a government, okay, with the help of the United Nations, if you want, okay, the rest of the world support, that will be basically uh, like Japan after World War II. Or, meaning they need to have constitution, they need to have laws, they need to be very strict, uh, about what they can do and not and not do, and uh, I don't know if you know, but America basically changed the 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 curriculum in the schools, and Japanese people could not learn about the history, and uh, all kinds of stuff in order to uh, yeah, to, it's very interesting uh, to grow a generation of better Japanese, if you want, re-educate. I know it sounds communist approach, like the, like like Mao Zedong doing uh, in the camps or. Uh, uh, Russia, communist Russia in the gulags, okay, in Siberia, but basically to re-educate the uh, population that war, the war is an option, is not an option. Uh, this is the, this is the, America did it well. Japan di, uh, did not go to war for 70 something years. Uh, and prospered like crazy. And prospered, yeah, yeah, yeah. why not? Why, why, hopefully, if, you know, Gaza is not bigger, not smaller than Singapore. They yeah. can be Singapore. They can but be. But not, not with this ideology. It's not going to happen. So no. something to change. Yeah. Yeah. Once you once you free people from Hamas and give them opportunities, rebuild, provide jobs, get some trade going, they can see a better way of life. The ideology, the ideology will take a longer period of time. Um, I wanted to ask you, Tomer, with... Um, man, I wanted to ask you a question and it went away i don't know why i can ask you a question yeah go ahead why you have blue uh, background in your room everything is blue because of the what is the decoration reason for 
So usually my podcasts are blue, but today I wore a blue and white shirt and it's blue for Israel. And um, yeah, I, I'm pro-Israel all the way. Uh, so yeah, today it correlates. But if you watch any of my podcasts, majority of them are blue like this. And quite sometimes when I have a woman who is a guest on my show, I ask her, what's your favorite color? And I've got pink and I've got green. And so I would change the <laughs> color. I got this remote. I can change colors of my of my room. I was um, curious. It looks creative, so I want to ask you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, really, so I remembered what I wanted to ask you. What was the um what was the gun policy or uh, gun control policy in Israel? Um, because I know I noticed now they're they are pushing for citizens to get weapons and get training. What was it before October 7th? So it was very, very hard to get access to a weapon in Israel. As simple as that. Second, we don't have second, we don't have constitution. Second Amendment is not uh, we don't have it. And uh, even I remember as a, as an officer in reserve before the Secret Service, in order to get a gun, I need approval of the battalion commander to basically sponsor me. To it was very hard to get a get a gun. I'm just talking about pistol, uh, not rifle, nothing, nothing like uh, you see in America. Uh, and yeah, look what happened. Civilians did not have weapons to fight the ISIS people back. Because we have people that know what they're doing. You know, people oh, yeah. like me with my people like me with my skill set are hundreds of maybe thousands of people with my skill set. I'm nothing special in America, I'm the only one with the school, let's say. But uh, but in Israel they are not rare. So if they all of them have access to rifles, Hamas people will have a, a very a big problem to, to enter anywhere. Uh, no, no, uh, you know, every city have people like me and better than me. Uh, okay, so. So you're saying yeah, if people had, if they had less gun laws and people were armed, less people would have died. We need to arm the Jews. Like we, American are armed, Israeli need to be armed to the teeth and capable because we live in a, the most dangerous neighborhood in the world. And we have a real enemy, not, not uh, a joke that want to slaughter the Jews like uh, what happened in Holocaust and uh, and, and uh, that's it. It's enough, it's enough, you know. We we can, we have to be able to learn from mistakes, even at the basic level, you know. Yeah. Have guns, it's basic, basic. And so when Tomer says his skill set, let me just share with you something that I watched him do. And I have a video of you doing it too. And by the okay. way, if you if you say, hey, send me the video or post the video, I'll, I'll post it. It's about a minute long. And it's during the during our training at Israeli Tactical School in Florida in Okeechobee. And uh, Tomer's teaching us how to use how to have gun control. So literally you got on one foot, you held the pistol with two hands. So the the I guess that's the index finger was on a trigger and just the thumb was holding the back. The, the three other fingers were straight out stood on one hand and from about, I'd, I mean, it wasn't a far distance, but maybe 10 feet away, you shot that pistol. And I still remember you saying every bullet, like the first bullet. And I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. And next thing you know, you keyhole five shots, like five rounds went into one hole while standing on one foot and shooting with two, with two fingers, not even properly holding the pistol. So uh, when he's talking about skill set, there's a very special skill set here. These guys are legit warriors. 
And I noticed now you're providing some training courses for civilians. Like typically Israeli tactical is known for military, police, special, special forces, units like that. But I just saw you advertising for regular civilians. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. So basically for Jewish community and House of Worships, also Christians, uh, meaning people that were, uh, have security teams inside the, and they are, uh, would potentially become a victim for hate crimes like like we now suffered. So I'm offering, I'm volunteering my time for free, meaning I'm not charging any fee for my time. Uh, the cost is cost of the course, meaning uh, to have the place and uh, et cetera, et cetera, what we need, the logistics. Uh, so instead of 650, that this is the regular price for one day, we're now offering 150. This is the, this is when it's a, uh, not involve profit at all, okay? So this is the price uh, for teams. Why is that? Because I want basically in every house of worship, in every synagogue, to have a team that can coordinate, that know how to fight together. It's very important to overwhelm, because the Delta Surprise is, is on the attacker side. If we don't have the ability to work as a team, let's say I go and shoot the security guy, the first one I see, uh, you you basically kill the whole synagogue. From here, you simply go and massacre people. So it's important to have more than one and be able also to work together as a team so they will be able, for example, not shoot each other, uh, coordinate the, the movement forward, become more effective, and also uh, get the training to the next level. We're doing our courses to avoid shooting non-combatives. So basically... It's a three-day seminar that we, the, the highlight of the seminar is to be able to shoot only the bad guys together as two, uh, two, two agents and to achieve the goal. And why two? Because, you know, if you do two, you can do three and et cetera. So basically to call it two is the, the, the most important layer uh, uh, that after that you can increase and establish more. Uh, so this is for teams. Okay, it's very, very a low-cost uh, course, and the level is, as you experience, is relatively high. Uh, in three days, you can achieve that realistically with average people. Uh, and of course, we have the other courses that we offer that people can, if, if they're looking for self-defense courses, uh, also from Jewish community and, and house of worship, if, if they want to be armed, uh, of course, I highly recommend with the consent of the of the community, meaning that people will aware that they are, etc., etc. I think the training that we provide uh, is relatively uh, good because uh, basically we teach we teach the civilians exactly the skill sets of the Israeli shin bet, basically how to intercept and neutralize an active shooter. So it's an active shooter training, pure active shooter training, live fire, with all the safety guidelines, and all, you know, all the stuff that we do. You will read the course, you are aware of it. Very strict. Um, to achieve, achieve that goal of, uh, of protecting the community, uh, I, see, I see that as a reserve service. You know, I'm here in the States. I'm above the age of service. 
uh, instead of uh, uh, loading magazines for the soldier in the front, <laughs> I'm teaching the community to protect themselves here in America. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a important. It's what I can do relatively good. Um, so this is the effort of Israel Tech School at this point of time, given the circumstances. Uh, you do. I got to tell you, you do a great job. I mean, I spent eight years in the Marine Corps and being going through your course was incredible for me. Uh, I learned so much from you, Tomer. And some of the guys in that course were just top notch, too. You got Special Forces Army guys. You had some SWAT team uh, operators from the local police departments. Um, so, yeah, here's what I'll tell you uh, for the for the listeners. The Tomer's course is going to help you be in charge of protecting you, your family and your community, because when shit hits the fan and if you are unarmed and you're relying on potentially police getting there, by that time, it's too late. If you're at a synagogue, if you're at a church and you're getting attacked. And by the way, let's let's not tiptoe around the, the reality here that we've let in millions of people over the last three years into the USA. Some of them were caught at the border and they're directly connected with terrorist organizations who if they're screaming death to israel be i guarantee you they're screaming death to america i guarantee you they're burning israeli flags they're burning american flags they can't tell democracy is democracy and they don't want that alive so um with that said check out israelitactical.com or is it israelitacticalschool.com israelitactical.com israelitactical.com check out tomer his trainings are amazing um and tomer i appreciate you man thank you so much for being here with me today man you're amazing and uh, looking forward for any other uh, podcast if you want in the future absolutely bye everybody thank you for everything bye bye hey 